I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1990, the album Brain Damage, the artist Sinbad, and my guest this week, Seek Donnelly. Thank you so much for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me, dude. So we've been talking about this for a while. Yes. Yeah. Um, you do all kinds of stuff on the interwebs. Um, let's let's talk about a few of them. I, I do everything except sell my body, but I'm thinking about it. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah. tough times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the internet's a dark place. And <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love... Um, connecting with people so Mm -hmm. uh i think i originally uh you know for those who don't know in 2010 i had a brain aneurysm rupture so i kind of went into recluse mode Mm -hmm. after that and i was afraid to be around people and um and kind of feeling how people like you kind of pick up on their vibe or energies i guess Mm -hmm. and it kind of disorients you um so so i kept away from people then uh, actually a guy named dan Harmon uh used to do a podcast called harmontown mm-hmm. and one day i was in the audience and he just started talking to me and uh he asked me he tried to get me on the show like like a dozen times uh-huh. and i kept saying no i don't like talking to people and he goes just please for me just it'll be good it'll be therapeutic uh-huh. and then actually the the therapist i was seeing at the time was like um try it try new things yeah why not yeah so i did and uh it, it changed my life because actually talking to people and seeing that people weren't so afraid of me after that mm-hmm. was was kind of like a, a good feeling um and so i wanted to connect with more people but in person it's still a struggle sometimes sure sure so i started doing youtube and yeah and then it's been a fun couple years since then uh what's really funny is so i've seen some of your videos before mm-hmm. but today I happened upon one that was a review of an action figure where you just basically ate the entire box of the action <laughs> figure, and that is one of the funniest things I've seen in a very long time. Oh, uh, thank you. It was I, a delight. I think that video is demonetized, uh, but, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but I didn't. I, that's funny. That's uh, I didn't know what to do in that video, uh-huh. and and I literally. I had a whole video plan to do an actual toy review, mm-hmm. and then my brain just kind of shut down, and uh-huh. I, I didn't know what I was going to say. And then I just started eating the box and then I just kept going. And then I said, why don't you just put this on the internet like, yeah. and just see what happens. And uh, yeah, and that actually got a lot of people to subscribe to me. They're like, can you eat more boxes? I'm like, it's not as good as it looks actually. Right. <laughs> like that box is probably touched by a hundred people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to lose its impact after a while. Like sure. they're having the one video and then you have to be concerned why they're asking. Is it a kink? Yeah. Right. Is, yeah, it, right. is there King watching a dude eat a box of Spider-Man toy thingy? Right. Yeah, that's a little disturbing. Yeah, because uh, I didn't know about the Harmontown thing. You and I have met separately, so I didn't mm. even know until today. Oh wow! That yeah. you were that you were on because I, I have another buddy who was on Harmontown who really doesn't like talking about it because of how embarrassingly drunk he was on it. But oh, gotcha. you you were on it for a, a fun reason. I, I was I was sober. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, <laughs> but which is hard to do at Harmontown actually. Yeah, so, I bet. So I don't blame your friend and uh, <laughs> and shout out to a Harmontown fellow Har- Harmenian then to your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, it was, uh, I was, I think Dan brought me up for me as much as he did for himself. He, I think he, at least talking to him off stage, he, he seemed just like, oh, I just, he was intrigued in a, a person who was kind of, I guess, had their foot in the door of the other side mm-hmm. and was just like, but, but I'm like not very spiritual. Sure. So, so he's kind of like, oh, that's neat. He's like, normally people talk about how, you know, they touch the other side and it's like changed their life. And he goes, and you you'd rather be here with us. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he goes, most people don't say that. Right. And I go, yeah, no, I, I like being, 
yeah here so <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh okay so i really want to so when we met and i told you about the podcast you're like oh can we talk about sinbad and no one's ever asked about sinbad dude really so, yeah so i want to know well because i his career is i think as to some people now is like weirdly obscure movie actor even though he still performs he's still yeah. an a, a, like a performing stand-up sure so where did you first see you because now full disclosure for everybody who knows this album did come out on vinyl mm -hmm. uh, i listened to uh it today but Seek is familiar with the TV. Was it HBO? I'm assuming. Yeah, I th I think it was. It was like I think it was an HBO. I, I see. I don't know because he doesn't really swear in it. No, that's um, true. So I don't know if it was an if it was an HBO special or not. But but yeah, it was on TV. I don't know if you're allowed to wear Zubas and swear at the same time. I think it was a law <laughs> that you weren't allowed to. If anyone can, Simbad can. That's also true. Yeah. So where did you first see this then? Uh, Simbad. Well, I, so um, this this where it gets rocky because my memory is not the best. Right. Um, but. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure I remember watching that program on TV when it aired and falling in love with him, I think from this one, from Brain Damage. Yeah. Um, I, what I liked about the comedy was he, he sounded like my uncle. Okay. My uncle complained about a lot of the things Sinbad complains okay. about in that okay. one. Um, he talked about how he th how stupid he thinks younger people are uh -huh. because uh, you know when they work at McDonald's they they have the pictures of the burgers mm -hmm. and they still don't know what's on the burger and he's like how do, how can you not like you don't even need training just look at the picture and you go is someone goes is there onions on it you just look at the picture and go yeah there's onions on it do you want no onions and he was like why because because like in my day there was no pictures or there was a picture of one hamburger uh -huh. and a bunch of text or whatever. And he goes, uh, so it just sounded like my uncle. And I think it made him really relatable to me because I looked up to my uncle. Oh, yeah. Uh, my uncle was in the Navy and, and he, he had kind of like a, a no nonsense kind of mentality. Sure. And, uh, and I, I, so when Sinbad was talking, I was like, wow, this guy sounds like a funnier version of my uncle. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I liked that about him. And then from there, I just kind of, I don't know. I just followed his movies. You know, I saw a lot of his movies growing up. Um, I was a little older, I was getting into teenage years, probably when he was popular in movies. Uh -huh. I was in high school around that time, but my little brother, I think it was a way to connect with him Okay, because he really liked Sinbad as well. Mm -hmm. And um, he definitely, that movie I was just talking about earlier with you was Jingle All the Way. Mm -hmm. uh, when that came out, I was definitely in high school, but my brother loved it and my mom loved it too. And it was a movie we all connected on because that Christmas or the year before, whatever, my mom was like scouring for a toy for my brother uh -huh. that he wanted. And I don't remember if, what it was. I, I think it was pre Tickle Me Elmo, but okay. I, can't, I can't remember, but it was, he wanted it badly. And she went to like 50 places, even oh, cross state lines to look for it. Shit. And uh, so Shit. I think we all connected to that movie. And there was yeah. a period in like the late nineties ish mm -hmm. where there was about five years where every year, what's the new Tickle Me Elmo. Yes. And like, that was the fucking big deal. <laughs> yes. Where, where, where'd you grow up? Um, well, I was I was born in West Virginia, but then we lived in Gr Athens, Greece for a while. Holy shit! Because we're, we're I'm in a military family, so oh, cool. so we moved a lot. Um, Mississippi, uh, Florida, and then I think around this time we were in South Carolina. Okay. So we were like in in Damn. that between there and Atlanta. Um, I was like bouncing back and forth. Holy crap! Uh, so and Atlanta had a great underground hip hop scene and comedy scene. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of just gravitated to that you know, growing up. Yeah. Um, and Sinbad was definitely a, a doorway into a, a lot of different things. But what I liked about him was that he wasn't crass. 
Sure. Um, like I actually, if you, most of my shows, I don't swear. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's just because I, I just live by the Simbad code. I'm mm -hmm. not nearly as funny as he is, <laughs> uh, you know, but, uh, but he's, he kind of rubbed off on me in that way to where it's like, oh, you can make a point without swearing. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I, full disclosure, I obviously love to swear, but I also <laughs> love the art of doing, of, of kind of putting the same emotion behind something without it. Cause there's a yeah. lot of work. There's a lot of work to do, you know? It sure is. And like listening to this, uh, like full disclosure. So anybody who's listening to this, like if you're going to listen to this album, it's the most 1990 album. Yes, you've it ever is. Heard in your life. <laughs> yes, it's it definitely is. a bunch like, Oh, my wife is crazy. Oh, women are crazy. There's like, it's, that is a lot of what it is. Sure. So you got to look back at it with a little bit of perspective, but the way the man tells a story um, I'm so happy to to now feel like oh there's somebody else who tells a story uh, as well as as Bill Cosby and I don't have to listen to Bill I don't listen to Bill Cosby sure, anyway right, but I, I right. now have an alternative well, of course just the like one of the first things he says in the album it's so dumb uh, and I could say that for most of the lies but it's like <laughs> that, that marriage sucks the brain out of your head and just the yes. way he says it it's just so active and so visual. <laughs> he I love when he's talking about that and he's like again on the live show or the live show he's like uh you know oh if. He's like, men, when you're when you're with a woman, like once you like committed mm -hmm. and you're in the relationship and you're married or whatever, he's like, they'll brand you. He goes, so they'll make fun of the things you wear. Mm -hmm. And and he's like, I love when he talks about it. He's like, he's like, yeah, you're leaving the house and you're thinking, yeah, I'm dressed good. And she goes, you wearing that? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, nah, baby, I was, I'm going to go change, you know? And, and he's like, and he, she makes you second guess. And he goes, but they're just doing that to brand you. So that way when you are in public, you're wearing a shirt they approve of. And that lets the other women know that you're taken. <laughs> and then just hearing that and he hearing him talk about, because he in the live show he picks on a kid named Dominic mm -hmm. in the front row, mm -hmm. and uh, and he's constantly every every joke he puts Dominic's name in it, and uh, and I love that. I was like, that's a great running gag. <laughs> that so is really this, good. this kid in the front who like spoke and kind of um, uh, heckled him in the beginning of the show <laughs> oh. is now the constant butt of every joke. But I thought that was a great engagement with the with his audience. It's really funny. And it was great. And he just keeps coming back to it. And he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, you know how it is, Dominic. He's like, your girl. And, you know, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. But but it is. But it's relatable. I mean, sure, that may not be true in most cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes people do feel that way where they're like, yes. oh, am I, am I less me when I'm around this person? Whether mm -hmm. it's true or not, you do get those feelings. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to entertain that notion and laugh at it exactly and right. i that's that's the thing that i like about this mm -hmm. i was talking to my wife where i was like you know i'm just glad it's this 1990 and not like sam kinnison <laughs> which is like fuck you cunt fuck you cunt <laughs> sure. scream 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 oh uh, whereas like as you say i like the way you put it perfectly where it yeah. is it's just like yeah entertain it for a minute yeah thoughts that people have they don't have to be the truth right he doesn't he's not there to be a truth teller he's no. there to be like a Let's let's talk about how we feel sometimes, and I he does it in a very funny way. He does, yeah. He's it's a uh, it's interesting because he because I've I mean, and we'll talk about this later maybe too. But I've met him and you know got to work I was with him. Ask good, yeah, right. and uh, and even in person, it's like you know it's it's the same feeling. I'm like, yeah, this guy is is not like some prophet or yeah. anything. Yeah, but but he does say things that you're like, all right, that's not true ninety five percent of the time, but there's that five percent where I have had that thought. Mm -hmm. And now he's made me reflect on that and laugh at myself for it. Mm -hmm. And that's I think really good comedians do that to you. They make you look inward as well as outward mm -hmm. and they, they help you self analyze a little bit. 
And at um, no point does he 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 make he takes plenty of opportunities to make himself the butt of the joke. There's oh, no yeah. doubt about it. Oh no, yeah. It. No doubt he's about it. He's fully aware that he's victim to the same thoughts we all have. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then he, you know, he's like and he does make sure to do a little uh, enough footwork to be like, yeah, yeah, men can be idiots too. This is not, a, you know, this the gag right. is not women are stupid. <laughs> you know. No, right. It's, it's very much like Exactly. And the gag isn't women are, are controlling or the gag right. is, yeah. It's just here's an Here's a moment, mm-hmm. and we're gonna embellish on this moment for a second. Uh, let's talk about because I only listened to it. Uh, mm-hmm. The physicality, how physical is he in performing? <laughs> yeah. I cannot imagine. That's what I love is that he's he's way too of a like a tall and you know slightly you know overweight guy mm-hmm. to be doing half the stuff he does. Uh-huh. And and that's what I love is that um, that believe it or not, just watching him do that taught me a lot about work ethic Yeah, because he does not have to do that. I mean, Chris Farley had that effect on me too. Mm -hmm. Chris Farley was genius with physical comedy and he's a big, big guy. That's a lot to move around Mm -hmm. in a fast, you know, and to do it quickly uh, just for a a sake of a joke, but they do it because they're committed to their craft. So yeah, the opening of the show is him coming out doing like an MC hammer routine uh, with these four younger guys. And the joke of it is that he actually runs out of steam halfway through (laughs) and just lays down on the ground and the other guys just keep going, you know, and it's, it's so funny. And he's doing it, like you said, in Zubas and and Mm -hmm. he's wearing like the most loud outfit you can think of for 1990. It's like bright blue and, and red and, it's like Superman colors and there's yellow in there or something. And it's so, it's so funny, but he's physically like, that's why when he stops to tell you a joke, you're a hundred percent locked in mm-hmm. because your eyes have already been trained to not leave him. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, because of his physical performance mm-hmm. and uh, that, I mean, even to the point where the, sh- the show, he comes out, he does the routine and then people don't cheer enough. And he goes, you know what? I saw that. I, I hate you all. He's like, you need to cheer louder. This is my special on TV. He's like, so he tells the camera, he's like, all right, everyone back to one, you know, and he goes back behind the set and he's like, start the music again. We're going to do the whole thing again. And I, I love that. It's uh, that commitment to the, the craft is, is amazing. He becomes his own hype man and shit. He introduces does. himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's like, oh. you know what? I'll do it. Voiceover guy. He's like, yeah. So good. <laughs> Actually, I'll give him some credit too. So on the album, and I'm assuming in this special, there's some sketches. Are there sketches in? The yes. Th- okay. Yeah, yep. He's good at voices. I'll give him that. Yes. I was not expecting voices to come mm. out of him. Oh yeah. Uh, and then there's a ton of hip hop. There is like. Oh yeah. Even though he ex- explicitly says like he's kind of fresh to hip hop, he's like, I kind of like it. Like I kind of like rap. Sure. Uh, which kind of in my brain, I'm like, shit, right, rap hip-hop still to most people was still kind of new even though it'd been yes. invented 12 years before right you right know, but, but it didn't hit the mainstream yeah. like uh, until like you said like late 80s early 90s it's so weird to me um but yeah so he's more i would say like an r&b soul guy mm-hmm. um and he demonstrates that i think a couple of times in this and other specials mm-hmm. where he'll kind of like take it slow you know he kind of does that um where he's like swaying and stuff but he he yeah he's he acclimates really well and he makes that part of his thing. He's like, he's like, look, I know I'm an older guy yeah. at this age, you know, or at this time. Um, he's like, so young people, he, he's got like a kind of dad perspective. And I got to say, as, as I've grown older now, I, I, and I've become more like my uncle's age when I was, when I heard it, sure. I'm like, yeah, no. And now he's, now it's, it's, it's somewhat more truthful mm-hmm. to me when I hear him and listen to the show. Cause I'm like, Oh, now I relate to that as mm-hmm. opposed to me looking at it, 
as like it could be in connection for me and my uncle or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, now I relate to what Sinbad's saying. Mm-hmm. And so now that's how I know I'm in dad territory. Now. For sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing at his dad jokes now. Yeah. Dude, w- would it have been something again? Uh, I know you can't be sure, but like would it have been something you watched a ton of? Do you think? I'm sh- I mean, I think this special because when I because wa- when you first invited me here, I was like Simbad, let's do Simbad. Yeah. Well, I think I threw out like one or two other ones. You did. You're yeah. right. You're yeah, right. Yeah. And I feel um, like I don't know what the issue I, was, I think, but I loved Sinbad as a choice. I will. Yeah, say. I think yeah, I threw out a couple. I think Dave Attell was one because I really mm-hmm. like Dave Attell. Oh, but there was no but, vinyl of all. But there was ones. no vinyl, yeah. right? And uh, but then when I was like Sinbad, I was like, you know what? I should have started here because mm-hmm. um, I was like this. I'm pretty sure I've seen that special so many times. Mm-hmm. I. I, I I, of course, I can't remember exactly, but when I watched it on YouTube, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I know what he's going to say next. Okay, yeah. And, and that was probably like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, last time I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how that shit's buried back there and you don't realize it. It Well, I've learned a lot about that with memory over mm-hmm. the past 10 years is is what's buried. You know, like like I said on Dan Harmon's podcast, like when I woke up, I, I remember Peter Parker was Spider-Man, but I couldn't remember like moments of my childhood. Yeah. So it's funny the stuff that you... You, you put in yourself and your mind as important stuff yeah. um, or things that matter to you. Um, and it sucked. And I'm not saying those memories as a kid didn't matter to of me, course. but it's just they were able, they were easier to shake loose because yeah. they they really weren't defining things for me. Right. You know, and yeah, it, it's weird to learn that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when I watched this show again, I was like, oh, I know what he's going to say next. And then I was like immediately laughing again. And it, it made me it teleported me back right to when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, wearing a giant extra large Sinbad shirt, you know, and, and uh, you had a shirt. Oh yeah, for sure. God and damn it, that's so good. He, he was awesome. I, yeah. And I, I, I did like him. It wasn't like I followed his whole career, mm-hmm. but like what you said earlier, he does voices. Yeah. He was in like Homeward Bound 2. <clears throat> I think oh. he did the voice of one of the, the animals in Homeward Bound 2. No and he was the only reason I saw Homeward Bound 2. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm definitely too old for this movie, but Sinbad does a voice. So I'm gonna check it out. Holy shit! Like you're a super fan to some degree, then. So on some level, yeah, I would say for sure. And he he made an impact, man. He was, he was a uh, he told really relatable jokes mm-hmm. um, that I think anyone could connect with. Let's talk about his most famous film, which is of course Shazam. Sorry, I just had to say that <laughs> once, and we'll get that out of the way. That's not a real thing. Please, please, nobody make me. Please, nobody think that I mean that. Uh, I d- I find Sinbad delightful, and I feel like this stuff that I I never saw this. Mm-hmm. I didn't. As a kid, I probably didn't know he was a stand-up because I didn't know shit about comedy. Mm. Uh, but I feel like I saw mm, House Guest first. Oh, maybe? yeah. House Guest. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. I probably saw that for Phil Hartman because he's yeah. my hero. Yeah. Um, do you remember the... Let's see. Well, I'd have to look up the order, but maybe what's your favorite Sinbad film? Let's go there first. Man. Because um, the thing is, he's had a he's been a guest spot in a lot of stuff. True. And um, he had a Sinbad show, which That's I really true. liked. Yeah. Um, so I would, I'd probably mm-hmm. lean towards that. I mean, Fair. he's had some great, um, um, like I said, he had some great uh, cameos. But maybe because it's the freshest in my mind, maybe I'll go with Jingle All the Way. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just because um, that was, I think, one of the first times where I realized, again, you don't think about life lessons when you're watching even dumb movies sometimes. Mm-hmm. What I liked about that movie was that there weren't really any villains. That's right. F- between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah Between yeah. him and Arnold. And uh, and that's that's unusual mm-hmm. um, in a movie. Normally, you're just like, oh, we'll make one just, we'll make it black and white evil and good. Sure. And we'll have one dad be the greatest dad and one dad be a, a spoiled dad. But they were, 
they were both like pretty good dads mm -hmm. and uh, and they both had an arc in that movie mm -hmm. and so looking back at it as an adult i think i appreciate that movie even more from a writing standpoint because i'm in a performance standpoint because i'm like wow that's that's hard to pull off i don't know if you could make jingle all the way today and not have just some giant jerk play the his role <laughs> mm -hmm. and not like him through the whole movie right and not root for him yeah he does have that weird charisma that i can't quite explain yeah I he's, he's, he's kind of charming mm -hmm. um in like an, a very innocent like uh friend way where you're just like oh I, I could be around this guy yeah yeah and you don't know why you're just like hey he's mm. he's, he's pretty relatable well not all comics necessarily even and you don't have to if you don't want to but sure. like um there's the big uh you know the, the old thing is like if you do customer service and you're on the phone they say smile when you talk they can hear it i think he's got that going on he sure does you know and like listening because listening to the album i got a ton of so much energy so much personality that and a good comic can bring you along for a good joke or a bad joke and you're mostly going to be along for the ride. Yeah, sure. It's just he's so loud, obviously. Right. Not only in how he dresses, but right. his volume. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do think there's a lot of like just enthusiasm. I think there's love for what he does. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. and like you said, it. He, because I, so like I said, I worked with him. So we worked on a, a pilot that was done in Orlando, Florida. Um, so before I moved here, like 13, 14 years ago, I was in Orlando and I worked for a company that worked for Disney. And we did like um, in-house corporate videos for Disney. Okay. And we did their weddings and their um, their marching band oh, and wow. stuff okay. um, in the parks and stuff. So we did a lot. I f and I was a videographer. I was filming all of that stuff. And then one day they were like, hey, we want to do like our company's growing. We want to do a, a, a pilot for something kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And so they came up with this premise for a show that was, I don't know, it was kind of like um, it was like high risk stuff like where it's like oh you got to get into a, a pit with an alligator you know and and or you got to wrestle an alligator or something like that and it was like a contestant show uh -huh. that they were pitching and they they came up with the idea for Sinbad to be the host and i was working for them i'm like please do that like i i would love to work with that guy yeah. but also like he would probably make this silly premise entertaining right they're like that's what i kept thinking like not to to bash on that company or anything but i kind of was like this sounds stupid uh -huh. but doing watching Sinbad do it could make it really entertaining yeah. and uh, and he's a pretty good household type guy so he could sell that premise mm -hmm. um just by being there right. it's like it's like Steve Harvey doing like um you know family feud yeah yeah it's like it's it's per it's kind of perfect and so so I was like yeah we, we should get him and so they did I mean not based on my recommendation but they just did it anyway mm -hmm. and we got to do this whole pilot and it never aired you know mm -hmm. it never uh it never saw the light of day as far as I know but they did pitch it around a lot and it was fun to to actually work with one of my childhood heroes. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that was probably the first time that that happened to me in my life. Like, luckily I got a couple of other opportunities with other heroes after, but, but, uh, that was my first one. And I was like, this is great. So yeah. I'm sitting there filming him looking at these, you know, two people wrestling alligators. And he's just like the faces he's making. He's like, <laughs> what am I doing here? And, but he's like, but he's also like selling it and making yeah. it funny. And it was just, it was awesome. That's so good. Did you, like, what kind of interactions did you get to have with him as videographer? It's not the same as a producer. No, but... it's nothing. I mean, I barely got to, you know, really interact with him other than, mm -hmm. like, oh, let's, you know, let's try it from over here or, mm -hmm. you know, do it from over here. Um, but uh, other than that, I mean, but there was downtime in between stuff. Yeah. And I would talk to him, and he sounds like he comes from a background before comedy of just hard work. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he, he knows what the value of hard work is. And I think that's why I've always gravitated to his comedy and his specials is because 
I feel like you see it. Like one of my favorite things to notice in a movie is when they go, oh, the budget was $80 million. And I look at it and go, well, I can see every penny on screen. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel with Sinbad shows. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can feel every amount of effort he could possibly give on screen, on stage. Yeah. And, uh, And that's saying something about, you know, his work ethic, but it sounded like he had a, a history of that before even he became famous. Makes sense. And I'm like, well, that makes a ton of sense, you know? Yeah. He, yeah. Cause there's, uh, the, the TV special starts out with some documentary style stuff where he's kind of bullshitting with people and making jokes just sure. all around the place, wherever yeah. they are. And I then they're in Atlanta actually. Th- okay. Yeah. There we go. And then as you say, once we get onto the stage, man, he's got performers, he's got music, he's sure. got pre-produced music. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's like, I don't know if it was ever a single, but the song brain damage, brain damaged is on this the album too yeah you know there's which by the way i gotta tell you he must know he can't rap that well and he's just do whatever oh yeah (laughs) sure yeah the thing about him is that he is he's what a lot of people miss nowadays which is he's self-aware yeah you know i think a lot of people it's hard to be self-aware especially nowadays because there's so much going on yeah but I think he's kind of, he's very self-aware, I think. And so I think, yeah, someone probably came to him and said, hey, we want to make a, a, a hip-hop song with you. And he's probably like, uh, yeah, I suck at hip-hop. And they're like, but yeah, but you're Sinbad. Like, and he's just like, okay. All right. And, they, <laughs> <laughs> and write me a check and, uh, I, and I'll do the best I can. <laughs> do you have like a favorite bit off of, off of this special? Um, There's a lot of stuff. I mean, there is. I mean, you know, me, because I've, I've gone through a life now of like... um you know, retail and, and production and, and, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of stuff in my life. I've worked on cars and I've landscaped and I've had a lot of jobs, um, restaurants, everything. And I remember when I was leaving comic books, cause I was working in comics for a couple of years and that was my dream job. Mm-hmm. But, um, unfortunately it was, it was also, I've learned not my dream job. Okay. Um, I was like, this is where I've wanted to be my whole life. And then I got there and I was like, not that it was too hard work, but it was, it was hard work for someone with my um, limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, and also my knowledge, I said, maybe I'm not really smart enough to do this right now. Mm-hmm. And I said, maybe there's, maybe I need some distance from it and, and, and reevaluate. Cause one thing that's going on in comics right now, comic books is that there's a disconnect in a lot of ways between um, the companies and the people that work for them and the fans. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like uh you know, blockchains and stuff going on Twitter and people just aren't communicating and it's very politicized. And it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of a, a bummer in the sense that I, I always knew writers and artists from comics to be people you can go up and talk to mm-hmm. and to see it not be like that anymore is kind of heartbreaking for me. Yeah, that sucks. And I mean, maybe for uh, good reasons, you know, people have what they believe in. So it's sure. like, you know, sure. Stand by what you believe in, but it it, it is separating people. So I think for me, I was like, I, I wanted to, I started to get like that. I started to be standoffish with people and push people away and snap at people. And I said, you know what would untrain this is working in retail again. Mm-hmm. I said, working in retail really does train you to have thicker skin when it comes to dealing with rude people. For sure. For um, sure. And also it puts things into perspective when you work for a big company like Lego to um, to understand your role and be like, hey, look, you're here. Someone comes in and they talk you know yell at you or scream at you you don't have to take that Mm -hmm. if you don't want to you can call security you can do whatever um or you can just easily give them what they want yep and and just tell them hey this is a one-time exception i'll do you know i'm helping you out 
you know, please just lower your voice here. Kids in here, you know, like you right, can right, dip, right. You, there's a diplomatic answer and then there's the, you don't have to deal with that answer. But Lego is encourages both. Mm-hmm. And what I took as a challenge was let's get better at the diplomatic one and let's let's not have to call security on people and let's just try to understand that they're coming in and they're having the worst day ever mm-hmm. and put yourself in their shoes. And I think I've gotten really good at that now. And I would say maybe now or in the next two years, I'd be in a better place to go back and work in something like sales and comic books. Yeah. Because I feel like I, I could be better at the diplomacy part. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I'm so trying to, so yeah. I learned that from yeah that. I love that. No, I love that very much. Uh, it, it's it's nice when people can, you know, as a person who, who makes comedy and mm-hmm. as a person who loves comedy, there's so many times when I've gotten very up my own ass and been like, you know, comedy <laughs> can change the world. But it really can't. But it can definitely do something like that. You know, sure. give giving perspective is all it's about. Sure. It's so huge and so important. And I also love, I just love how much you appreciate his craft and the fact that he works as hard as he does. It's not mm. a thing that often comes up as much. It's like, let's talk, nitpick the actual joke maybe, but. Well, I mean, the jokes are subjective. So, yeah. so it's for me, I'm like, well, we don't, I, I don't find like me. I was like, well, I don't need to pick apart his jokes because I know I find them funny mm-hmm. and relatable, um, but others don't. So I, yeah. So I like looking at the person mm-hmm. um, and the work ethic. I mean, that those two things matter to me more than anything. Yeah. Um, my grandfather taught me that. Uh, I, I, there was a time I tell this story at work sometimes where, you know, some people are like, "Why do you work so hard?" Like, you know, because even just standing eight hours a day talking to people sure. is not easy for someone with some of my. Uh, obstacles mm-hmm. so uh, I mean as your listeners can't tell but I'm wearing a helmet today mm-hmm. um, so it's something I have to wear from now on for a while yeah so so it's um it's tough to do that job and so sometimes a coworker might be like why like why do you do it and I go you know because if I don't my grandfather will come down from heaven and kick me in the ass <laughs> uh, because there was a time when I was a kid where we had a there was a dime store in uh, we're in West Virginia where I where I would go visit them during the summer. Mm-hmm. It's also where they filmed that J.J. Um, Abrams movie um, about the alien and the kids. Oh, right. Shit. Um, and I can't remember the name Wait, of it. Eight, it was not 8 millimeter. Super 8. Super 8. There That's we go. Um, they filmed it there in that town. And uh, my grandfather worked at the steel mill there. So mm-hmm. he knew a lot of the people in town. And uh, we went to a dime store and I stole a pack of candy cigarettes. Uh-huh. And he found out. Of course, because parents always and grandparents always find out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and he, um, as I wouldn't say punishment, because I didn't feel like I was being punished, but as a lesson, he took me to an Amish farm, mm-hmm. uh, this family called the Yoder family and in Pennsylvania. He took me to their farm bright early, um, and I worked there for the whole day with the kids that, that grew wow. up on that farm. And I was doing all the things they do, like, you know, feeding chickens, cows, everything. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, um, And then I think we worked on the tractor for a little, like, not, they didn't have like a metallic tractor, but they had like something they used that was like a tractor. Sure, sure. And at the end of the day, my grandfather said, okay, he's like, um, you know, do you understand the lesson? I said, no. And he said, here's your here's your day of pay. And he gave me a dime mm-hmm. and he said, you're going to go and give it back to that guy mm-hmm. at the dime store. And you're going to admit like a man that you stole from him. Mm-hmm. And this is you paying him back. And you're going to tell him you earned that dime and that I didn't give it to you, but that you earned it with a good day of hard work. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you right now that completely changed my outlook on, on work ethic yeah. for the rest of my life. That's and it was probably the most 
a valuable lesson my grandfather could have taught me. Some people would be like, that sounds like child abuse. I'm like, but it wasn't because I didn't have a bad time on the farm. Mm -hmm. The kids were great. They were super nice to me. Um, And I can still thankfully remember that story all these years later and use it as an anchor to whenever I think I'm having a bad day. I'm like, trust me, I was like nine years old and I pushed myself through all that. Mm -hmm. I can push myself through a day here standing for eight hours and talking to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's remarkable. Damn, that's a good, that is a... That's a fucking depression era lesson he gave me. That is great. That is fantastic. Well, yeah. he's, uh, he's old school. <laughs> You're now making me think. Just because it's such a well-told story, I would love to now hear Sinbad tell that exact same story. Oh, man. Because, man. We got, really yeah, we got to get in touch with Sinbad. Mm-hmm. Like, Sinbad, tell that story and, <laughs> and make people laugh. Well, he can, here's the thing. This was going to be the next thing I wanted to talk about. He's talking about shit I have no experience with. A, oh. I'm not a black man. No, that's yeah. a that's a big thing. Sure. Uh, B, I, I was ten when this thing came out, right? <laughs> so uh, he's talking about weaves and stuff. He's talking about stuff that culturally I don't have any attachment to. Sure. But tells the stories in such a way where I'm like, this is the funniest thing on the planet. Sure. I mean, but and that's the thing. He actually was one of the first comedians to teach me when he tells a story, like it says maybe something specific, like weave or something like that. Mm-hmm. But but if he's telling another story about being a black man, for example, mm-hmm. he was one of the first comedians that taught me to take the word black out of it mm-hmm. when I'm listening to it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know as a as a man, especially now listening to it, I'm like, well, as a man, I know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it, just despite of, you know, race. Like I said, there are specific times, like you mentioned, where, mm-hmm. he, where it's like, okay, I might not connect with that or relate to that. But the way his delivery is, you're just like you're you're there with him. You're, it's almost like you were there when it happened, standing next to him, mm-hmm. and he's he's reminiscing on it, and he's and he's putting a funny spin on it. You're like, oh yeah, I remember when that happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he invites you in, and that's what a good comic does for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I I I don't know. I I imagine a lot of stage walking, like a lot of back and forth. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. He paces a lot. Yeah. 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 But can... but he's got an he's got an energy. It it but it's not like erratic. Uh-huh. Okay. It's very uh-huh. specific. And that's um, like like Sam Kennison was erratic, sure. You know, um, sure. and and even you know Chris Farley was erratic. But I mean, the one thing a lot of those guys had in common too was probably drugs and stuff. Uh-huh. I think Simbad uh-huh. kept more of a level head. I don't know what he's done in his personal life, right. so maybe he did dabble in that stuff, but it never showed. No. And uh, and he always if he if he made a quick move, it was intentional. Mm-hmm. If he if he um if he paces, it's again it's it's to. He, he almost, he, he knows how to command attention. So he's wearing this loud suit and he's pacing back and forth. You can't help but not just watch him. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and you're like, but it's not like in a nervous cat kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's just like, all right, wh- wh- where's he going with this? And you're listening to every word. And then when he hits you, you're like, oh yeah, awesome. That was worth the wait. Or that was, he took me along for that journey, you know? Right. Um, yeah, he's, he's, it's funny. I, I, it's surprising that a lot of people don't, you know, recommend him because, um, He's, I feel he's definitely a master of his craft. For sure. Um, like, I, I love his stuff. He's hes really awesome. It could be, to some people, he's not edgy enough. It could be. Oh, probably. They're just picturing the pants and they just <laughs> didn't think about the fact there's probably some content. I mean, like, 1990, this is as good as anything within those 10 years that, you know what I mean? Like, 10 years on either side of it. Like, yeah. it, it's, I, it's, oh my God. And he does a lot, he does a lot of impressions. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to see. Oh, <laughs> he did one that really landed with me, which is Grandma and the Magic Money, where he's talking about <laughs> how grandmothers always they haven't worked in 50 years, and yet Grandma, I need two thousand dollars for something. Oh, let me look at my purse. Oh, here, here, I just found two thousand dollars. Yes, yes. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, and I went through that. I definitely went through that. I was a spoiled boy, but yeah, he absolutely. I don't know. Sure. Something about that. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, because my grandma, she she had um nine kids Boom. um almost Gosh. almost 13 but four miscarriages wow um wow yeah we come from a very big irish family uh-huh um and she never worked a day in her life she never had a job she mm-hmm. never had a driver's license mm-hmm. um, my grandfather uh he was in the military and he worked at a still mill mm-hmm. and uh he worked his ass off to provide for uh you know uh, eight daughters one son and a wife and and uh she would. She. She'd. Be, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm no, no. I'm going down to the comic book store with uh, with Ryan, my little brother. Mm-hmm. I was like, we're going to ride our bikes down there." And she goes, "Okay." She goes, "You need ten dollars?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that'd be great. That would give me like you know five or six comic. Well, this was back in the '80s, so I'm like, "Yeah, I could buy like ten comic books with that." And she's like, "Here, here's ten dollars." And I'm like, "Where did she get that from?" I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like she doesn't work. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. So that's that's a great joke. You're right. That's a great one. It's just a, I don't know why that that just hit me <laughs> so so hard. It just I, and I don't. This is the th- one of the reasons I can't or haven't tried stand up is that like uh, the frequency with which I come up with something that might sound like a universal truth mm-hmm. is so it's so rare. Sure. You know, and th- not everybody relates to that, but there is something hard in there where a lot of us do. Yeah. You sure. and I don't know each other that well. We didn't grow up together. Right. Neither of us are black. Right. You know, neither of us grew up where he grew up. And that is 100% this very strong. The thing is, I, 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 I think like, I, I you know, I, I don't know. I've never dabbled in, in comedy myself or anything, mm-hmm. but, but I know what it's like to, to try things. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised. Um, you write a joke and you think no one's going to connect with this. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure someone will. Uh you got to take a chance, you know, and I know you know that, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of trial and error. I mean, he he didn't just write that joke, and it was it was awesome, you yeah, know, perfect. Out the yeah, door. no, he yeah. he he. Who knows? Maybe he tried like a oh an auntie, you know, uh, purse, and mm-hmm. maybe he tried mm-hmm. other versions, and, and right. they didn't land. And when he landed on grandma, people were like, that is true. <laughs> um, so yeah, jokes take time, and they it you know, but that's where I think work ethic comes into it. So when when he when he does do a joke that I really connect with, I'm like, wow, he's transcending barriers um, that, but he didn't give a crap about barriers. He's like, I'm just telling my joke. Yeah. He's like, I don't care if you're white, black or Hispanic. I don't care who you are. If you're listening to this, um, something's going to land with you. Yeah. And he's like, but my job isn't to have everyone love me. It's just to be entertaining, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's where he's great is maybe you don't always laugh at his stuff, but man, is he fun to watch. And the audience just, Holy cow, man! Yeah, yeah, so on board. Well, he's he's such a good hype man. He's his own hype man, uh-huh. like you said. So uh, <laughs> sometimes that helps. <laughs> I want to know how often he did that because that bit's not on the album. So I'm glad I watched a little mm. bit of the the video. That bit's definitely not in the album. It just starts out, I think, with the song "Brain Damaged." Yes, and then just goes into the sh- the the rest of the show. It's really too bad because that hype man thing is it's hilarious. Just the whole bit, but that's also what makes this album fun to pick too. Is that mm-hmm. there's two different versions of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, which is which is awesome because yeah. I've heard other comedy albums on vinyl and I'm like, oh, this is just the the yeah. special I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it's nice to have like the Earth One version, Earth Two version. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I had to go to the comic book. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. <laughs> uh, I I want to talk about 
how he comes across visually, uh, because I'm sure, you know, as a person who has worked in comics, mm -hmm. who draws, uh, I, I don't know, like, how does he strike you visually? And I, I can't even think of the, the smartest way to even ask this question. Mm -hmm. As somebody who draws, mm -hmm. um, I don't have, I, I can't, my brain is just completely, I don't even, I, I went blank. I went so, blank. So like, um, <laughs> I guess how does he. the dumbest question I've ever asked in my life. Maybe. How does he, I guess, appeal to me as, a, as someone yeah, visually, who, yeah. who, who loves visual media yeah, and stuff. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I've asked that question before. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Screw me. I'm an uh, idiot. Well, you know what? I, I guess I never thought of it, but he does look like he jumped out of a comic book page. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, he's got like Superman colors on kind of. Yeah. You know, and he's got, got like these big loud suspenders on and mm -hmm. he's he's kind of a, he is a character. Um, and, he, and he is maybe a fictionalized character to some level, but uh, you know, I maybe as a kid too, who I loved, um, X-Men was like my favorite comic around this time mm -hmm. in, in 1990. And I think Bishop had just appeared. And so, like, Bishop and Storm were, like, two of my favorite X-Men characters. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they interacted a lot in the comics. And then I started – I think at that time, too, a lot of my friends, because we were living in, like, just different areas of, like, Mississippi and Jacksonville. So, like, a lot of my friends were black growing mm -hmm. up. Like, my best friend, actually, at this time was a kid named Terrence, uh, mm -hmm. who was, like, my first best friend I ever had. And um, I remember because my, my dad, my parents split up at this point, and he was – my dad was pretty prejudiced dude. And I remember, I didn't know how my mom felt about that. So mm -hmm. when I became friends with Terrence, I didn't bring him over. Yeah. And then one day my mom's like, well, you always talk about Terrence. Why don't you bring him over? And I go, oh, I didn't know if you'd like him. She goes, why wouldn't I like him? He's your best friend. And I go, well, he's black. And my mom yeah. was like, so bring him over. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was like, I'm not your dad, you know, yeah. like, like bring him over. And I remember, um, yeah, it was something as a kid I didn't think was a big deal. Right. But, but of course, you know, I saw adults make it a big deal. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, he's my best friend. And so, so anyway, he, we, we watched Sinbad together, you know, and I, and right. I, I loved his, you know, seeing Terrence's reaction to it. So, um, and then my, and then we would laugh at the same jokes. And I, that's why I said, I, I felt like Sinbad was kind of this window into barrier breaking for me. Mm -hmm. I think every kid goes through that moment, um, you know, at some point where they, they hit a, a crossroads and they, they, they connect with somebody who's different than them. Mm -hmm. Um, but then you realize you're not different at all. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and that moment just happens to coincide with Sinbad. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why he appeals to me on that level, but also he gets tied into that comic book stuff. So I would say to answer your question, yeah, he, he, especially in this special, he appeals to me. He's easy to look at because I'm used to looking at people in bright colors all the time. Yeah. You know, like the X-Men or stuff. So, or Superman. So to me, I'm like, yeah, he's, he, he's my demographic yeah. <laughs> from, as from a nerd standpoint. Right. But when you talk to him, he's actually a big nerd too. So yeah, yeah he's a very it. nerdy guy. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad that we got then to the question I like to ask, uh, but almost forgot to ask, which is, have you ever made friends over comedy? But I like that, or like had a friendship kind of more cemented by comedy, but I love you. You had this one thing that you do. Yeah. Share. I would say Terrence was probably that. Like we, we bonded over other things. Like I think, wrestling was a big thing back awesome. then like okay. uh hulk, sure, sure, sure. Uh, hulk i think hulk hogan was my brother's favorite wrestler but me and terrence we love the ultimate warrior okay he was our favorite yeah um Wasn't and he so, also incredibly neon like a very he was super okay, yeah, yeah of course man, yeah all right. I, i'm getting yeah. your taste now it's all right well i mean yeah exactly <laughs> i mean that's why i like uh say i have a lot of friends that uh, do drag now and i'm like and people are like Oh, you know that person? I'm like, of course. I'm like, look how they're dressed. They're amazing. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, so I know I naturally gravitate towards um, bright colors. And, and even now it's so weird that my life has kind of come full circle in that way where it's like, uh, 
I now I gravitate toward co colors for, you know, brain damage reasons. And, uh -huh, and that's uh -huh. also, I was like, wow, this is another th cool thing to talk about for this episode. This, uh, you know, this uh, show in particular is because A, it's called brain damage. I have now suffered from it. Mm -hmm. And it, it has, as I've delved deeper into why I liked it so much, preparing for the show and I it helped me self-analyze again and then I called my mom I'm like tell me some stories about Sinbad and she goes oh my god you loved him growing up she's like well I haven't thought about him in years yes. and, and she told me all these great stories like the Terrence thing and every stuff and she was telling me all these things like memories I don't have but she's telling me and I'm like I'm like man I go so it was cool to see that come full circle and then now talk about it here with you is like I'd never thought about the comic connection of how they dressed, mm -hmm. but that makes so much sense now. Like, um, like you just helped me self-reflect. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I do have a history of people in bright colors. Like, <laughs> um, but I like that stuff. I'm glad I did it with the, maybe the poorest worded question in the history <laughs> that's of this amazing. podcast. See, I don't that's know what, what the fuck happened, but you knew you read my, my mind. That's what I'm saying. Don't, don't give up. You know, just, just try. Even if you don't think you word it right, there's you're, you're onto something. By the way, anybody who's listening to this, I have cut that out, but. Oh, I, did you? Oh, oh, I'm going to, I will, I will, because I will, I stumbled so hard. I yeah. just, uh, yeah, I ate my own tongue on that. That's thing. okay. <laughs> I, it's funny. I do that all the time on, on YouTube when I'm making my videos and people go like, oh, you, you, you know, you speak pretty good and I go well I've been having years of practice now you know because sure. I had to go through speech therapy and yeah, and yeah. Uh, public speaking and did stuff like that oh, and okay. um, behavioral classes like uh, getting to look people in the eyes when I talk to them like sure. that was a big struggle for a long time interesting okay so it's like I'm, I'm applying everything I've learned um, but yeah sometimes I make mistakes so I cut them out and then but there's been a couple of times where I'm like I'm keeping it in because mm -hmm. and that's because and I just watched it last night too it's one of my favorite movies um it's a remake, but it's a great remake, which is the the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh yeah, um, with Ben Stiller. Mm -hmm. I actually saw that at Fox like six months before it came out, mm -hmm. and then when it came out in theater, I saw it twice opening weekend. Uh -huh. And I never go to the theaters hardly ever. Mm -hmm. I think I saw like seven movies last year. Yeah, um, but that year that came out, I saw that movie tw three times total. Yeah, and we watched it last night because my roommate never saw it. And at the end, Sean Penn makes this comment about living in the moment mm -hmm. and how he's he's like ah, sometimes i don't take the picture i just live in the moment yeah, yeah. and that even that was like it's a line in a in a dumb movie to some people but for me i was like you know what i'm gonna try to do that so sometimes i'll make mistakes and i go man eh, just leave it mm -hmm. like you, you you're you're human yeah like you know it's it's okay to make mistakes and fumble it's like um, it's, I know it might be us as storytellers and editors, like we, we cringe at it later. We're like, Oh no, I, I. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, I would say in future, in the future, well, maybe allow yourself to keep those in sometimes. I usually do. Yeah. This was just <laughs> the worst. <outcome. laughs> the I was worst. hoping I would talk about it so much that you would now force yourself to put it back in. <laughs> I may, I may. I mean, we've now, you're right. We've, we've crossed the threshold we now. We really have. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're keeping me honest. You're keeping me honest. Uh, <laughs> no, this is good. No, you're challenging me. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting is to like, so this whole, this podcast has been at least hinted at that it's like, it's really about nostalgia a bunch. It's not always about nostalgia. Sure. But it's definitely about, we're always looking back on a thing that influenced us as, as we were young. And like you're having, you just described having to relive it through being told that that was a part of your life. <laughs> right. So what, I mean, what was there that you did remember before you asked your mom for all the details? Just bits and like, I know I liked Sinbad and obviously I've seen his movie since or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but I, I also remember a little bit about Terrence. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I remember that 
like some some of those moments but my mom had to like oh no you you remembering it wrong it was kind of like this you mm -hmm. know and then my mom even admits she goes i don't have the best memory either either but between the two of us i trust her memory way more than i trust my own mm -hmm. and uh but it's been nice because at first my mom she really struggled with it like when imagine your 28 year old son waking up and not knowing who you are yeah. like she that it rocked her man like yeah. she 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 and i disconnected for a long time mm -hmm. um she had she had a she had a little bit of a hard time at at, at first um but uh but we've kind of got you know got past that and she's now finding like old pictures mm -hmm. and she'll send them to me she'll just be like hey here's some photos of you as a kid and uh i'm like wow you know and i'm looking at these photos i'm like i'm and there's there is there's a disconnect for me because mm -hmm. I'm like I don't know this kid you know but mm -hmm. he's wearing a Batman shirt uh, you know <laughs> to the premiere of 1989's Batman yes um, and he has uh, Batman Converse sneakers on oh my god and I'm yeah. like so uh, that must be me mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's uh, it it's kind of neat but I think really what it is is it's a way to connect to my mom yeah um, so it, it's a little different for me I, I sometimes I'll fake that I remember stuff uh huh. Um, but uh, but I just like hearing her tell these stories because for parents, like if you're out there and you and you don't know this about your parents, uh, memories are everything to them, mm -hmm. and they always you say like nostalgia, but you're really just looking back at mm -hmm. things like that's not it's, it's not a negative. And so my mom, she and all moms and dads, they just look at you as the kid you were, mm -hmm. like no matter how old you get, you're you're their little boy or little girl, mm -hmm. and uh, and so. You know, from time to time, like talk to your parents, like and ask them, like, "Hey, tell me a story about when I was a kid." Trust me, you'll make their day. Like mm -hmm. my grandma loved that. You know, before she passed, like that was her. She she would love if you called her and asked her that. So yeah, I would say you can learn these life lessons, and and that's why you know going back and talking about this show, it's like, you know, I don't have any kids, so it's it's nice to go back and and look at things that did you know make a difference or impact on me or yeah. that helped me grow because kids will usually help you grow you know you learn a lot yeah i work at lego i see parents all, all the time and some parents feel bad like oh i feel like i'm screwing up i'm not being a good parent right now you know with mm -hmm. and, and i'm like i'm like you'll you'll learn man it's it's you don't no parent has all the answers no you know it, it's gonna you're gonna struggle but as long as you're self-aware yeah. You know, you'll you'll get there. It'll be fine. And if you ask your grandmother for to tell you a story about when you're a kid, don't forget to ask her for $2,000. Yeah, get some of money off her, man. You know that, that purse that she has is loaded. <laughs> <laughs> that that just tickles me so hard. That's just such a good bit. Yeah, it is. Um let's uh let's do this. Um the I'd like to know other comedy albums if again, if you've got any you can draw from like stuff that you other stuff that you're a fan of besides Sinbad cuz I always um, like to know other people's tastes. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I love Dave Attell. Yep. Um, his uh, he tells my favorite joke in the whole world. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it's a it's I like telling it. My mom doesn't like when I tell it. Uh -huh. But uh, I mean, my dad was abusive too. Mm -hmm. So this joke, gravi I gravitate towards it. Okay. But But Dave Attell tells a joke. He says, uh, "He goes, I hate traveling. I think it's because my dad used to beat me with a globe." <laughs> That is a perfect joke. It's so good. It's it's <laughs> short and perfect, and uh, and the vi the visual of a of an older guy hitting a kid with a globe, has <laughs> got to be the funniest vision that ever oh. entered my brain. Um, oh my god! So one, so I love telling that joke. I think it's the funniest thing. Um, That's so, and I can absolutely picture him telling it. Oh, of it's course, so good because he's a very particular. Sure. Oh my God, that's wonderful. But that's my in all of jokes. That's <laughs> mm -hmm. my favorite one. It makes me laugh every time I hear it. That's fair. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I mean, I loved Mitch Hedberg. Mm -hmm. I was a big fan of his. Mm -hmm. um, 
I know Chris Farley was more of a, an actor and performer, but but I I loved him. Uh, him and Belushi mm-hmm. growing up. I mean, I remember it was like God. I, I was like, man, how many heroes of mine are gonna die this way? Right. Um. It it was heartbreaking as a as a teenager, especially a teenager going through like, you know, bouts of depression and stuff. It's mm-hmm. it was like, man, I'm like, I don't want to go down that road of those guys, but. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and Chris, he willingly followed in Belushi's footsteps, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like those guys. Um, I loved, um, well, they all became the Kings of comedy, like Bernie Mac and, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Steve Harvey and all them, but I loved all them. Cedric, the entertainer, like those guys were really funny. So, um, yeah, I would say I, I went to comedy clubs a lot when I was younger, but I mostly went to concerts. Okay. Um, so I got more into music in the time that I probably would have gravitated to more comedy. Um, so comedy, I just kind of came across, but, um, I was, I had a, a massive diagnosis of insomnia for a long time. And, uh, insomniac just happened to be a show that mm-hmm. was on, uh, that was on comedy central. And I, that is what introduced me to Dave Attell. Love it. Um, and so from there I was like, let's look at more comedians. So of course I went down the, the typical route of like the Dane cooks and, you know, everyone sure. who, who was like really big. Um, and then like, uh, what was it? There was a Steven something. He like sang. And and he like sang songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had an album called Superhero. Um, oh wait a minute, S- Stephen Lynch. Oh Stephen Lynch, yeah, Lynch, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, of course. He, he I liked him a lot, and um, you know, and honestly, uh, Bo Burnham, I yeah. s- I saw his um, his f- one of his first comedy specials, like the the one where he's like running around playing piano, and he's like he's doing everything, uh-huh. and <laughs> that had such a a profound impact on me watching his, again his work ethic on mm-hmm. stage that it led me to create a book where I did everything myself in the book. I yeah. was like, I'm going to do this style of art and, and I'm going to paint and I'm going to draw with pencil and I'm going to spray paint and I'm going to learn how to stack rocks. And I was like learning all these different uh, art styles to tell one story. Mm-hmm. And that co- that literally comes from watching Bo Burnham do that one special. I love that. And I was like, God dang, this guy is very talented for... He's ridiculous. And he's like half my age. I'm like, yep. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I hate him and love him at the same time. I don't actually hate him. Uh, sure. He's just so, sure. so good. It's he's annoying. super talented, dude. <laughs> yeah. And then like Heather Campbell and the people who did uh, Who's Line, uh-huh. like I liked a lot of them. Wayne oh, Bra- sure, sure. Wayne Brady. I got to work with Wayne Brady. So what? Yeah, he was, I did the Wayne Brady show. Um, it was like my third job in Florida when I moved there. Uh-huh. Um, they came and did a special at Epcot Center. Oh, okay. Um, and so I got to be a part of that i was like a jib operator assistant that's amazing yeah, it was great so i have yeah, i've i was funny i just did on my youtube show the other day but people were asking me like you moved out here you know 13 years ago you wanted to get into movies and and comics and like are you leaving you're kind of leaving not by your choice it's kind of health related and everything you know when i move in the next month and so they're like are you leaving with any regrets mm-hmm. and i was like that's such a good question i go well, let's instead of just giving a short answer let's challenge myself and explore mm-hmm. the last 13 years mm-hmm. and then let's do a live stream where i actually talk about it and we All did right. the other day and i at the end i was like no regrets i go i got to work in tv movies i got to meet a lot of my idols yeah um, my second day in la i met steven spielberg what? like i did a show called on the lot which was oh, like yeah? a reality show uh-huh. um that was my first job here in la mm-hmm. uh, in 2007 and i got to meet him i got to meet michael bay um they, we got to see transformers before it came out Nuts. like it was i mean I was like, no, I, 
yeah, did I accomplish every little thing I wanted to? No, but did I do everything I came here to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I said, and then I got to spend the last four years at Lego where I got to meet great people like you and connect with people mm-hmm. and learn about myself, learn what kind of leader I want to be at a, at a company. Um, yeah, I got promoted at Lego. You know, I, I jumped from like a part-timer, seasonal part-timer to two positions above it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, it, it taught me a lot about myself, things I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. So I said, no, man, like this, there's definitely zero regrets. Like I, I can't think of one moment out here that wasn't you know, perfect, even yeah. the bad ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. You have been a delight as a you're, guest. You're awesome, man. Well, Thanks I'm sad me. to hear that you're moving. Yeah, I know. that, and I, But I'm glad we got to do this because I felt so bad. It was like, you're like, hey, I'm available this week. I'm like, oh, I'm not. And then we, we were just like playing tag. and all the time. I'm sure it does. And it, it's, it's a bummer because I, I try not to be like that. But we had like at Lego specifically, we had so many changes in the past, like five months, mm-hmm. we, you know, different managers. And sure, sure. I mean, it's been, it, it's been hard to keep that, that job going. And, um, so it's, a uh, it's nice that we finally got to do this. Man. Yeah. It means a lot to me. Real. Me too. Uh, tell people, this is probably going to come out this week. So tell people, um, where they can find you. If you've got anything you want to promote. Um, well, for those of you out there who are uh, who are waiting for my book to come out, uh, who've been waiting uh, like a couple of years, I promise it's it's near done. Okay, um, good. It's it's not just one book though. It's like it's a couple books. All right. Um, so I had to take extra time and reformat a lot of stuff. So um, it's called The King of Neverland, and it's a sequel to Peter Pan. Love it. Um, so that'll be coming out um, probably later this summer, hopefully, um, of 2020, depending on when you're hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're listening to this in 2021 and my book's not out, you write me and threaten my life. Um, <laughs> But uh, but I my main thing is YouTube. Uh, it's youtube.com slash Seek Donnelly, S-I-I-K-E-D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y. Um, so that's my main place. And then Instagram and Twitter is at Venom Vlog, uh, V-L-O-G, Venom Vlog. Mm-hmm. And that's my main show on YouTube. I just I literally have just been talking about Venom for like three years on my YouTube channel. And uh, I had Tom Hardy on the show. Holy shit. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I, I pump out. I'm on episode 460. Damn. I think. And I've been doing it for two, just over two two years and like two months. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I pump out a lot of content for yeah. Venom. And people are always like, how can you talk about Venom so much? I'm like, the reason I picked that character is because in the comics he's he's broken and he's flawed. And that's how I felt when I started the show. I said, you know, I feel like I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and I want to learn from them. And also, I'm a big fan of Tom Hardy, and I like the character Venom. Mm-hmm. So why don't we try to make the show about my life, me trying to be a better person, talk about Venom, the character, and show that how he's progressed from a villain to an antihero, yeah. and how he's become a better person. And let's just and let's find other people out there that connect with that message. And so far, it's it's been going pretty good, and it got Tom Hardy's attention, which was awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's remarkable. Yeah. Well, honestly, congratulations. Oh, t- thanks. Because, not just for busting your ass, but for accomplishing so much. It's one of those things like you got to look internally sometimes and not, you got to realize, oh, shit, I've done a lot of stuff. Yeah, I've sure. Done, you know, like yeah. uh, after too not- much for one life. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like after nine years with this podcast, I'm often like, well, it's not my day job. But sure. have I met most of my heroes? Yeah. Yeah. I met a right. ton of my heroes. And, like, and look, it's explored. You're into like the Davy stuff now. And like, oh, yeah. It's like it opens doors. Like it's like. Yeah, it's it's uh, it. I know I know the financial and the the reality reasons to not continue something like mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it would be a, such a shame. Like uh, like I always tell people, 
you guys could stop watching my show tomorrow and mm -hmm. I'm probably still going to make it. Sure. You know, because yeah. uh, this is just as important to me as it is for maybe some of you. But uh, to connect with people is is should be the goal. Yeah. I, th I think if I think a lot of people I see on YouTube who are bigger, mm -hmm. they don't have that. Like yeah. th and I, I'm like, well, you're only big because you you talk about things that that are like hot button things yeah. and, and you and you gravitate people who have passionate opinions one side or the other to you. And I go, anyone can grow an audience like that. Yeah. Actually, that takes zero talent mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. That just takes a little bit of awareness and you can goat people into being your followers. Yeah. But that's the one thing I take pride in in my show is that we have this nice, slow, steady build of people who don't come in and scream at each other, who have different opinions, but talk about it. Yeah. And it's like, dude, it's the lowest stakes possible. We're talking about Venom. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a movie and a comic book character. Like we don't need to death threat each other right it's a comic book character like it should be fun it's man. just fun and if you don't like it then i promise you in a year they'll switch writers and you'll love that version <laughs> yeah, right like just right. be a little patient absolutely <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is in also in since it's in that weird friggin like a limbo of what is this because sony owns all these oh, rights and well that's so the crazy big, too that's all the you know conversations we have, i yeah. bet like it's just like well we can do kind of whatever the hell we want sort yeah. of you know and I, that's that's interesting i for that reason i'd like to see it i don't watch a ton of comic book movies mm -hmm. but i would like to actually see that yeah um Again, this has been a delight. I feel like now that you're saying some of the things you're saying, I should point out, um, my Patreon is kind of a thing now. Oh, yeah. Nobody's subscribed yet because I just start, like re rebooted it this week. So patreon.com slash Jason Klom. No, wait. <laughs> is it Jason Klom or Stolen Dress? Very good. Advertising. <laughs> it's either Jason Klom, J-A-S-O-N-K-L-A-M-M, or Stolen Dress, as it sounds. Um, Seek, again, thank you very much. Sure. Actually, I just show. subscribed. I just got a Patreon, so I'll subscribe oh, to you, too. good. Okay. Wonderful. I do a Superman podcast on there. Amazing. So, um, so I will subscribe to you. I'll, I'll be your first subscriber. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank awesome. you. You're welcome. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15 plus years. Music